Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Is It Worth It? The film podcast that goes out of its way to see all the films so you don't have to. My name is Craig Fields. And I'm David Long. Um, David, how have we managed to be able to do this for these people? The reason we're doing this is because we have recently purchased an unlimited cinema pass. Um, Unfortunately, for legal reasons, we can't disclose the name of the cinema that we are going to. But it um, it is an Odeon, um, so you can work it out for yourselves. But we will be going to the cinema and watching all the films that come out, reviewing them, and basically working out for our listeners what is worth them going to see. Because not everything that comes out in the cinema is worth seeing, so we're going to be watching the bad films so you don't have to. Exactly. Uh, so what have we got coming up in today's show? In today's show, we have a number of films which we'll be reviewing. Uh, the Darkest Hour with Gary Oldman. Indeed. Uh, and then we've got The Post. Yes, The Post with Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. I'll also be reviewing Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, and then we've got Coco. And finally, um, I believe you will be reviewing Downsizing with Matt Damon. Indeed. Um, But we would like to just say um, that this show is going to be hopefully a community of people um, once everybody starts listening, hopefully. Um, And we will encourage you to write in um, via email. Um, Further details of those will be available later on in the show. Um, And uh, express your opinions on what you've seen, what we've seen, um, whether you're enjoying the show. Um, And we'd also like to hear stories about your cinema-going habits. or Cinema-going experiences. experiences. What films you're looking forward to seeing. Is there any films that you'd like us to review? Um, Just get in contact. Um, It'd be nice to hear from you. Exactly. Um, We're going to head on over to our box office rundown and then we'll head straight into our reviews for each of the films that we've seen. So please do enjoy the show and please do get in touch. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) We are... (laughs) We're going to start off the show with a box office rundown. Um, this is the UK box office, uh, and this is going on from the uh, takings from the weekend of January the 19th uh, to the 21st. Um, so let's start with that. Um, first film that's on the box office chart at number one is Coco. Um, I've seen this. David, you haven't. No. Nope. Um, you know, we will go into a review from Coco on this episode. Um, but it's a uh, weekend gross of 3.4 million, which is really, really good. Um, it's been out for one week. Um, I don't even think it's been out for a whole week yet, um, but it's grossed 5.2 million already at the box office, uh, so pretty good performance. Number two, Darkest Hour with Gary Oldman. Uh, weekend gross was 3.3 million. Uh, total gross so far, 11.2 million, and it's been out in the cinema for two weeks, and we have both seen that. That was reviewed in our first podcast, and we will probably touch upon that film again today. Yeah, we'll probably play the uh, the audio snippet that we um, we already recorded, um, which was after the we actually watched the film, uh, and then we'll just sort of revisit it and just sort of if we thought of anything more to talk about, we will actually go a bit more into detail on that. 
so the next film in the box office chart is The Post. Uh, this is another film that I've actually seen. Um, it's currently doing very well at the box office um, at weekend gross of 2.2 million, um, which is the gross profit as well of 2.2 million as well. Um, overall, uh, good performance as well. Um, I, I'd probably like to see it above the darkest hour and I think it will by next week be above the darkest hour um, but we will go into more detail on that a bit later on fourth is The Great Showman a weekend gross of 2 million total gross 16.4 million that has been out for four weeks and neither of us have seen it no um, but the critics haven't been too kind to this film um, Hugh Jackman um singing and dancing again <laughs> again which he does very well on the stage but does it translate well well to the cinema um, i don't know i don't know nobody knows nobody well people do know because people have been going to see it <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they've uh, they've been the, the general public have actually really really enjoyed it um from feedback that i've had from people who've actually gone to see it they really like it but the critics really don't they whilst really we're on don't. this topic of dancing and singing we do have the joy of mamma mia here we go again yeah, that's coming out soon, be... which we will be reviewing, unfortunately, um, <laughs> for your viewing pleasure, or yes, maybe Pier- not Pierce your Brosnan pleasure. Singing again, I'm not sure I can cope. Um, the fifth. That's yeah. all right. You can keep going. You just pointed at I me. Just pointed at you. It's because I want you to just keep your head straight. So you okay? Because well, I'm, I'm looking at this paperwork you've provided hold, me with. Hold the paperwork. Hold the paperwork. Okay. Um, <laughs> We then got number five, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, which I'm fairly surprised to see. Uh, it's been out for five weeks and it's taken 31.6 million. The, the critics have been actually really kind to this film. They really like it. Um, and actually the general public have been pleasantly surprised because they all very much so loved the first film. The first Robin Jumanji, Williams. Robin Williams, exactly. Um, and I think that's solidified in a lot, of, uh, a lot of our minds because, first of all, as a child growing up, mm. Jumanji was was fantastic, and I, re- I really enjoyed the first. Is this film. is this a remake then, Craig, or is this a? a, a it's a more. Follow-up? I'd say it's more of a reboot, um, but also maybe a sequel. Um, from what I have established from it, it's a very different concept. There's no board game involved. It's now a video game that people get sucked into. Uh, how, um, how modern? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what we got next? We have got the commuter. The commuter is uh, is next. Liam Neeson doing his thing again. Commuting, I imagine. Commuting, but also he's fighting. Prob- he's probably carrying a gun. He normally does. He will find you. Uh, at, some, at some point, he will carry a gun on the train in New York. Most of his films involve him using transportation in a quite inappropriate manner: trains or buses or planes or. And smashing the shit out of them or <laughs> crushing them in some manner. <laughs> yes, if you'd like to see Liam Neeson commute, that's also available in cinemas. Uh, um, the next film, been out two weeks, grossed 5.1 million, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which I have seen today and I will be reviewing. After that, we have the ins- uh, we have Insidious, The Last Key. Um, unfortunately, this uh, film continues to go on. I think this is the fourth instalment of... What was originally Fourth, fifth, sixth. originally a very good idea, and the first Insidious film was great, but a bit like Pirates of the Caribbean, um, they just don't know when to stop. Um, and then the last two, we've got Pitch Perfect 3, which has been out five weeks, grossed 14.4 million. I think you've missed one. I have missed one. Um, I didn't do that on purpose. 
<laughs> Did you want to touch upon that after? <laughs> we could touch upon Star Wars at some point, but that is also there. Star Wars episode, lots of Roman numerals, The Last Jedi, um, <laughs> £79 million. Pounds. We've um, been out for six weeks. Six weeks too long. Um, that, well, <laughs> you, you, let's be honest, David, have you seen the Star Wars film? I have seen clips of Star Wars. So you, the synopsis of Star Wars you are unfamiliar with? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I've actually seen this film. I do believe Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Plot spoiler for all those people who haven't seen Everybody it. knows that bit. <laughs> Everybody. It's in bloody Toy Story 2, <laughs> for God's sake. You're, you are So right I apologise to anyone who hasn't seen any of the Star Wars films or Toy Story 2. I've just spoiled the fact that Darth Vader is in fact Luke Skywalker's father. And that's basically all I know. Look, Star Wars is an in- undoubtedly one of the most successful movie franchises ever. And I imagine when I start watching it, I will enjoy them. But I have not seen a single one. And many of our viewers are now turning off in absolute disgust. How am I qualified to talk about films when I haven't seen Star Wars? But as you will learn, I am not a massive science fiction fan. No, you're you're not fond of the onto the genre at all. I I'm fond of a good drama. Mm. I like to see. I did make you see a film the other day, though, didn't I? You did, and I was thoroughly unenjoying it. If that's a word for the <laughs> unenjoying it for the first forty-five minutes, Interstellar by Christopher Nolan, which you're a big fan of Nolan. I am, but you haven't seen Interstellar. Well, I have now. Well, you have now. Yeah. Well, have I? You. <laughs> I hope you have. <laughs> but you, you've seen it, and you were pleasantly surprised. I was. The, the thing I've said this to you before. The thing about science is it is science, and I like science for what it is. And then I like fiction, and I like losing yourself in a story. And I think mixing the two, I, it just disturbs me in a way. Well, because you were... it's like I'm watching something that is fundamentally not happened, could never happen. Well, we we did establish that you that the science fiction within Interstellar is actually possible at some point yeah. in the future. Um, no, Christopher Nolan, phenomenal director. All you know, you look at Dunkirk, um, Inception, Interstellar, all based around time. The man is fascinated with the concept of time. Um, and we're running out of time, aren't we? We are waffling on a bit here. <laughs> this is what the podcast is all about, really, isn't it? Just waffle. Pour maple syrup over me, and I am a waffle. You know? mm. <laughs> but you were pleasantly mind fucked with that with that film. I, if you can be pleasantly mind fucked, yes, I was. I found it. Uh, I don't know. I sort of wanted to start drawing on chalkboards and reading science books and by a telescope. I was just intrigued by the concept of it. Um, I don't know why are we talking about Interstellar. Um, We've gone off genre. Well, let's get back onto the box office then, because the last film in the box office chart this week is Pitch Perfect 3, which you did mention, but um, this this film neither of us has seen, um, and many a people, many a person, have f- thrown a lot of doubt at this film. They've not liked it at all. People love the first one. I loved the first one. Mm. The second one I liked, but it wasn't so good. And apparently this one is just a car crash of a film, really. Yeah, but this this is something we will touch upon in this podcast, is people's inability to enjoy a film on its own and accept that that is enough. Well, if you removed it from the actual franchise of it, 
of the, of the other it, ones. It, everything. I mean, look at the Saw franchise. I mean, what the hell was that about? I mean, they're still bloody going. I mean, yeah. when will it end? Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, that that bloody franchise will only end when Johnny Depp dies. And when Johnny Depp dies, they'll probably wheel out someone else in some other bullshit plot twist. I think you're probably right, but the only reason they keep going is because they keep making significant amounts yes, of money. No, but films shouldn't just be about making profit. No, you're you're right. You're you know, Insidious, right. the last key. I mean, I bloody hope so. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, you know, you know, what what the hell next? Insidious, the last key too. We found more keys. You know, it's just. <laughs> I mean, this is just ridiculous. You know, let's hope that there are no more bloody keys. You know, yeah. Um, like I said, the first Insidious I thought was fantastic. Very very disturbing, actually. Really quite a a great horror. Um, so how are we going to proceed, Craig? Um, well, that's that's the box office rundown for this week done. We we will be bringing you a jingle. Um, we, are, we, we are we are working on a jingle. I'm very on. keen to have jingles, sound effects. Craig uh, isn't so I, keen. I, I, I am I am key key keen. <laughs> the he's he's thinking about insidious still. He's so yeah. disturbed. There, by there it. will be jingles. There will be other things inserted in post production. Um, we just don't have a mixing desk that will allow us to play things unless you whack out your phone and start playing sound effects, which you've already done once, which we haven't recorded. I may, I may unleash the trumpet no, later. You can unleash it now if you get it out of your system if you really want to. Should we actually unleash the trumpet? We'll have to have some feedback on what people think about this. There we go. I feel like that's going to be the jingle for <laughs> poor film alert. It could be bad film Is it alert. worth it? Um, Trumpet plays, no. So we, I think in following weeks we might do a slightly quicker rundown, but that's what we've got. Coco, Darkest Hour, The Post, The Greatest Showman, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, The Commuter, Three Billboards Outside, Ebbing, Missouri, Insidious, The Last Key, hopefully no more keys, um, Star Wars, Episode, Roman Numerals, Lots of Roman Numerals, The Last Jedi, and Pitch Perfect, Uno dos tres. Free. Yeah, bit Spanish there, I think. Was that Spanish? <laughs> yes, I believe so. <laughs> Fantastic. That's uh, See, we're, very, we're an all-encompassing um, podcast for many people, both inside and outside of the European Union. <laughs> so, without further ado, we're going to crack on with the first film review, which is going to be Coco. Uh, this is a film that I've seen. Um, I saw this on Monday. Um, and it's about a very young, uh, want, a young man who wants to be a musician, um, but his family really uh, frown upon it. Um, the reason why they frown upon it is because um, they believe their family is cursed due to uh, a relative in the past, a great great grandfather that did some did something quite bad. Um, we're going to try and do these reviews without spoilers um, as best as we can. Um, Craig is, I'm not sure I am. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, um, well, I, I, I won't spoil anything. <laughs> so, um, over the years, the young man has um, looked up to an idol, um, a Mexican hero of his. This film is based in Mexico. Um, and he, he finds himself um, ending up crossing over to the land of the dead. Mira, mira, they're setting up for tonight. The music competition for Dia de Muertos. You want to be like your hero? You should sign up. Uh-uh. My family would freak. 
Look, if you're too scared, then, well, have fun making shoes. Come on, what did De La Cruz always say? Seize your moment? Show me what you got, muchacho. I'll be your first audience. Miguel! <gasps> ah! Abuelita! What are you doing here? Um... Alone. Doña, please. I was just getting a sign. I know your tricks, Mariachi. What did he say to you? He was just showing me his guitar. <gasps> Shame on you. Uh, my grandson is a sweet little angelito querido cielito. He wants no part of your music, Mariachi. You keep away from him. <laughs> um, he manages to get over the wall. Over the wall. <laughs> I, 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 sorry to interrupt, Craig. I just think it's fantastic, isn't it, that Coco, a, a film about a, a young aspiring Mexican, is currently top of the UK box office. I don't know how it's doing in America. I'm not, it's probably been banned, I'd imagine. But... <laughs> At some point, I'm yeah. sure it will. But um, it is a very colourful film. It's um, it's very vivid and it's um, very poignant. Actually, um, it touches upon a lot of different. Um, subjects um you know one of which is obviously the situation in america at the minute with donald trump and and mexico this film comes out um really highlighting some really beautiful things about mexico and and the music and and the people as well um and and of course the 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 day of the dead which is the day that the um the dead cross over um, to revisit their family, um, mm. which is actually... Really... Assuming they have all the legal documentation to do so. Uh, yes, and that is actually touched upon in the film as well. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, so what, what the families do, they put up their pictures of all their dead relatives on a mantelpiece, um, and if their photo has gone up, they are able to cross, cross over, um, and that is essentially their legal document to cross over, actually. So... Um, that was quite a nice touch. Um, so, uh, Miguel, Miguel, I think that's how you pronounce his name. As in um, San Miguel? In, as in San Miguel. He is the young man who wants to be a musician, um, and he basically needs to get permission from his dead relatives to be able to cross cross back. Um, and the only way they're going to allow him to do that is if that he says that he will not do any music anymore. Um... But the other subjects that it touches upon is things like um, his grandmother, who who has what well, looks like she's got Alzheimer's, um, and it's this really beautiful sentiment that music can bring back people's memories, mm. um, and that is, I think, one of the more beautiful things that the film touches upon, um, and, and actually makes it a little bit more accessible to uh, adults who go and see the film. Um, and I think actually a lot of adults will get a lot of enjoyment mm. out of this film. It's a Disney film. It's the next Disney film in their, you know, animation series of, uh, uh, yeah, Disney Pixar. Um, and it it is a really really good film. I really really enjoyed it. Um, it is very similar in a sense to The Book of Life, um, mm. which I believe you've seen as I well have. as I. Uh, and I've I love that film so so much. It it was again another very colourful, vivid film. There was a lot of music involved. There was the crossing over to the Day of the Dead or the Land of the Dead on on, on the Day of the Dead. Um, those those are where the similarities tend to end. Um, there's no young people in, in the, um, the Book of Life. Um, 
so you know our main character in in uh, in Coco is a protagonist who is a child and that's where Disney I think differ um, and there's lots of different subjects that touch upon there's there's still the magic of of the of the day of the dead in there and and I think people will be really really surprised by how good this film is um Disney usually do a good job with their films but I think there's been a lot of people thinking oh not so sure about this but the box office has has spoken for the uk already and has proved that it is doing very very well and um i hope that continues really um i think like you said though disney and disney pixar are so good at creating films that children like but also that have mature themes that adults can pick up on so some of the themes you've touched on some of the younger children probably won't be picking up on those, but the adults will. Mm. And that's why I think this is, from what you've said, it's going to be quite a, a universal film, and it's obviously been very successful mm. um, so far. Um, is it going to be up there with Toy Story and Finding Nemo and, and those kind of films? Probably not. I'm, probably not, but I don't think they're gonna they've left it open for a sequel or anything like that it's not going to be a franchise of sort it'll be a standalone film on its own and i'm relatively pleased with that i think it doesn't need anything more it doesn't you know it'll be very successful and um if the money it takes you know Mm. is going to be supreme maybe they will consider that and that's what they do isn't it you know disney but I hope that they don't, um, because it was so well done, so well executed, um, and and very beautiful as well as a film to watch. Um, so, the question that you're about to ask me is: I am. He can see me moving my hand. So, Craig, for our listeners, is it worth it? Absolutely worth it. Go and take your children, your nieces, your nephews, whoever you want to go and see it. I I went and saw this film on my own, and I I'm really pleased that I went to see it on my own. But it's 100% worth going to see. Is it a film you want to see in super screen or is it... Is... It is out on super screens. I don't think it's out on IMAX or anything like that. It's don't I don't believe it's a 3D film either. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate 3D films. Yeah, um, but it, super screen, go and see it on because it is so vivid and colourful and spectacular in that sense and the, and the sound is very good as well and the music mm. in the film and the guitar playing and all of that adds up to being a, a really great film to watch in the theatre and the biggest screen that you can see it on I think will be best really um, yeah so there you have it Coco currently number one in the UK box office and Craig says it is worth it take your kids take your missus or husband or partner or whatever the hell people are doing these days um, and get down to the cinema and see Coco so next up we have Darkest Hour with Gary Oldman a film that we both saw so uh, the way we saw this film we we just got our unlimited cards and we thought right uh, let's go into central London I was already going into London so I brought David with me for the day. Like like a, like a pet. Like a pet, although you went off and did multiple... I went on a boat, <laughs> <laughs> went to a museum. It all got a bit out of hand, to be honest. Then yeah. he had a panic attack on the tube. It was a bit of a mess. Um, but then we reconvened later on in the evening to go and view um, The Darkest Hour um, at Cineworld in... Um, Canary Wharf. Canary Wharf it was, wasn't it? Um, it was an all right cinema. 
It was alright. It was alright. Not the, not, 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 not the best. Better than Odin. <laughs> we can't say things like that. Well, I just did. I know. Sue me. No, don't say that, because they will. Can they? I, possibly. I haven't got any money, so. We don't favour one cinema over the other. It's no. just that the price point that we bought the ultimate cards from... Or ultimate unlimited cards from Cineworld, was that a good price point? I mean, if you are an employee or perhaps the CEO of Odin and you would like to send us... Um, an unlimited Odeon card for the year, we will happily receive that and we will attend your cinemas. As much as we attend Cineworld mm. and, and yeah, um, try and speak fondly of both. Mm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> moving on to the actual review. Uh, David, give us a little bit of a synopsis of what The Darkest Hour was. So, obviously, we have... Um, the fate of Western Europe is looking pretty bad. It's bleak, um, isn't it? Hitler and his Nazi thugs are stampeding around uh, and causing absolute carnage. Um, and Winston Churchill um, becomes Prime Minister of Great Britain. Um, and it's not... I wouldn't say it's a popular decision. It's not an unpopular decision. It's its a risky decision. People know that he's a a great speaker, but there are questions about his decision-making and what we have here, and the film is based around whether Britain and, more importantly, Churchill decides to negotiate with Hitler or continue to fight on against all odds. We have, you know, British troops being butchered left, right and centre. We have troops stranded in Dunkirk. Um, Things are looking bleak and most of Churchill's war cabinet are really trying to force him to negotiate with Hitler and there's some fantastic quotes um real quotes from Churchill um and overall it's like we said when we left it's it's a very good film there's nothing heroic in going down fighting if it can be avoided nothing even remotely patriotic in death or glory if the odds are firmly on the former nothing inglorious in trying to shorten a war that we are clearly losing losing Europe is still Europe is lost And before our forces are wiped out completely, now is the time to negotiate in order to obtain the best conditions possible. Hitler will not insist on outrageous terms. He will know his own weaknesses. He will be reasonable. When will the lesson be learned? When will the lesson be learned? How many more dictators must be wooed, appeased? Good God, give it him mixed privileges before we learn. You cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. Gary Oldman is fantastic um, as Churchill. And like I've said, it's it's a bit of a one-man show, really. Um, My only criticism of the film is that I absolutely love his public Churchill, but his private Churchill, I just think they may have overdone his mental fragility, perhaps. He does come across quite confused at times and a little bit lost. And I and I just think in light of how long Churchill lived, how long he continued to be Prime Minister, he came back to be Prime Minister for a second time. Um, he was in Parliament right up until his late 80s, and we died at 90. Um, and I, ju- I don't know, I just think the, mm. that private Churchill was perhaps a little bit too vulnerable. But 
from a historical point of view, but perhaps they were just trying to show that he was human after all. Yeah. Tell you what, let's um, let's listen to what we recorded after we got out of the cinema, we got home, we sat down and we unleashed all of our thoughts um, in your flat. Um, so let's have a listen to that um, and then we'll pick up on anything that we might have missed off, um, anything that we've thought about since seeing it. Um, so let's go and dive straight into that. We're recording, so if you want to start. So me and Craig have obviously now left the theatre. Uh, we've travelled back from London and we're going to give our first opinions, having just seen the film. So I'll let you kick off, Craig, with how you thought the film was, performances, cinematography, soundtrack, etc. OK, um, I suppose we'll start off with, with the glaringly obvious fact that Gary Oldman was absolutely amazing as, as Winston Churchill. He was undoubtedly the best part of the film, mm. which then follows suit into the other aspects of the film, which was, felt, I felt, felt, it felt like it fell short of being 100% brilliant, mm. 10 out of 10, because of that. It's almost like he overshadowed a lot of the other aspects of the film. Um, what did you think about that? I totally agree. Um, I said to you, travelling back, that this film was very, very similar to Clint Eastwood's J. Edgar with Leonardo DiCaprio in the sense that Leonardo DiCaprio was phenomenal in that film, but the film overall wasn't great. Um, I'm not saying this was a bad film because it wasn't a bad film, it was a very good film, but the Gary Oldman problem, (laughs) if you want to put it like that, not that it was a problem, but... He is so good, particularly in his public Churchill, Um, because obviously we see a public Churchill and a private Churchill. Mm. Um, And he is so good in his public Churchill, his his voice is almost perfect. And you just... It's just like a bit of a Gary Oldman one-man show, and and that's the only problem. Which is sad, because actually there was a lot of good acting going on around him, but they almost fell short because of like what I said to you in on the way back that the the narrative the script for the other people the other actors mm. in it wasn't really there the, the you know you had Winston Churchill's very accurate speeches and and things that he was actually quoted as saying and they was you know that was brilliant that that went hand in hand with Gary Oldman's performance but everybody else you know it just felt like they were in the background mm. Like I said to you as well, I think you've got a sense as well that perhaps other people in the film realised that Gary Oldman was that good, that they were on the back burner. But we can't forget that it is a biopic. It is about Churchill. And therefore, in that sense, the film succeeds because all we're talking about is Churchill and Gary Oldman. Mm. So in that sense, the film's a great a great success. Um and like I said to you before, the pace is a bit confusing and it's sometimes it's a bit uncomfortable to watch, but I said to you, possibly that's what the director wanted because Churchill wasn't necessarily a very comfortable person to be around. He wasn't exactly stable. So the, the narrative and the flow of the film reflected the unstable behaviour of Winston Churchill, essentially? That's a possible theory. 
I mean, I, I, I obviously didn't direct it, so I don't know what the director's vision was, but it was very choppy and changey and there was brilliant moments and uncomfortable moments and, you know, it didn't necessarily flow. No, it was very slow at some points mm. and you ended up zoning out and then only to be brought back in by great speeches or great moments that was obviously Gary Oldman's key parts in the film. Um, but then following on from that, you've got Joe Wright's previous sort of film that was similar in some aspects with Atonement. So obviously the pace of that film, be it based on a novel, um, was very is very different. Um, and it was something I was hoping more for this film to be like. Um, and, and, you know, that, that scene that I said earlier about uh, on the beach of Dunkirk and that one shot going through, you know, that was a spectacular scene. And I think it, one of the best scenes in, in any film I've seen in a long time. Um, obviously, there's been some great films since that, but that one still comes to the forefront of my mind, even after seeing Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. That mm. that scene in that in Dunkirk could have been, you know, amazing sitting in that film. Um, but there wasn't anything like that in Dunkirk. But you know, moving moving trying to move back to uh, uh, Darkest Hour. Um, you know, there's been obviously a lot of criticism with that film from what we're talking about, we, you know, there have been reviews of what we're saying and we're sort of almost agreeing with them. Mm. But trying to put our own spin on, on that, but you, you kind of have to agree with it in a, in a sense. You go in with that preconception that I don't want it to be like that, but it, it was, in a sense. But like, like I just mentioned, you, you almost got that the script was a bit like Churchill himself in the sense that... One minute you had those fantastic speeches, mm. and then the next minute you had sort of mumbling gibberish. And that's and and that's a really great way of looking mm. at the film and trying to justify. But like I said, I'm not the director, so right. I might be sort of giving the director a get out of jail free card and saying, you know, oh well, it was up and down because he was trying to reflect Churchill's emotional instability. Because don't forget, one emotionally unstable, two heavily alcohol dependent three, not sleeping, four, World War Two. I mean, you're not going to expect him to be a stable, stable man. But you did get that sense in the film that it was almost like, like I said to you, it'd be interesting to know in what order it was shot because it didn't, it was a bit confused. Yeah. Um, I mean, these are questions that only Joe Wright could answer. Um, but it would be great to get other people's views who have actually seen the film. So, mm. you know, but we would certainly recommend watching it. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely, it's definitely up there as being one of the best films possibly of 2018 so, thus far. Thus far, um, and I, I think Gary Oldman is going to be very close to winning his Oscar. Oh, I think he's won it. I can't see him being beaten. I mean, as well, you know, Leo, Leo with. J. Edgar? Yeah, no, when... when I mean, Leo was quite a short-priced favourite, actually, for J. Edgar for a long time. Um, I just... Biopics, they're always Oscar bait, and I think the fish may have been caught here. Um, I think the bait may have been taken. Um, I can't see him being beaten. Like I said, it was a standout performance, um, but it is what people are going to talk about, Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman. It was the Gary Oldman show. It was. Without a doubt. So that was our review um, of The Darkest Hour after 
coming out of the cinema and about an hour afterwards. Did we mention Gary Oldman? I, we mentioned him quite <laughs> a lot, didn't we? Um, the, the other actors and actresses that we didn't actually touch upon um, were people like Lee James um, and uh, Ronald Pickup, who played some pretty pivotal roles in the film. And despite us saying in that review that we didn't feel like they had a lot to do or... You know, um, they they didn't. I don't know. They weren't. We weren't saying they weren't great. Um, Lily James was actually a very, very um, well cast actress. I think for the role that she played in the film, um, it was just a shame that she didn't have a bit more to do in the film. Um, and I think that's what we meant by that. Yeah, they um, her character. They developed her character, didn't they? And they gave us a little bit of info about her background, but they never really did anything with it. Mm. So you sort of got fed a little bit of information but never really it never really went anywhere. So the, the, there wasn't a huge amount of character development no, there. But there were there were some very moving and emotional scenes with her and Winston. Um, yeah, there was. And you did get that bit of character development from her. However, it would have been nice to just have that little bit more just to have that you know you wanted the story Obviously, it's about Winston Churchill, but you wanted it to have just that extra mm. bit in there, that bit more about the typist, just to give you just that bit more. It was just that bit more that that's what we were lacking in, I think, and that's what would have made the film perfect, in my in my eyes anyway. Nonetheless, as we said, the film was very, very good. So the question that I'm going to ask you now... Is is it worth it? You struggled there. Craig. I did. I was going to say, was it worth Sh- it? Should we is go it- for it again? It's the name of the podcast. It needs to be. We need to be delivered with impact. Well, we need a trumpet, don't we? No, we don't need the trumpet. trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> that's the bad. That's, that's the, the bad, bad film, film trumpet. trumpet. No, is it worth it, David? Yes. Yes. Was that your impression of Winston Churchill? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no, this film is definitely worth seeing. Um, and if you do see it, I, w- I would suggest doing a little bit of uh, research about Churchill, an intriguing character um, and uh, such an important part of British history. Um, particularly these, it was four weeks of his life, mm. I believe this film focused on, um, and the decisions he made. And, yeah, Gary Oldman is fantastic. The film is good. Um, but it but is flawed. There are flaws in it, but... It is worth it. It's not something that you wouldn't want to watch in Super Screen or IMAX. I'm not sure it's available in that, but no. it's it's visually it's simplistic. Mm. I'd say. I mean, yeah. the mise en scène, the 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 set design, all of that thing things they were good. Um, perhaps a little bit repetitive in the use of uh, Greenwich University uh, for the outside scenery things. That's where Craig um, went. That, that may have been where I attended. Mm. Uh, no, it was. Um, reason enough to listen to this podcast you have a man who graduated from Greenwich University uh, mm. <laughs> I also graduated in what in what well in politics actually which is uh, suits this uh, suits this, this film, film yeah. from the University of Hull <laughs> don't know why I'm laughing it's a good university it's a very good university yeah uh, so well, that it was is until a... I went there but that's what it's doing now who knows? Uh, so that was our review of The Darkest Hour. Uh, next up, we've got um, The Post. So we will take a short break and come back with The Post. 
Phil, can I ask you a hypothetical question? Oh, dear, I don't like hypothetical questions. Well, I don't think you're going to like the real one, either. Do you have the papers? Not yet. Oh, gosh, oh, gosh, because you know the, the uh, position that would put me in... You know, we have language in the prospectus. Yeah, I know, I know that the bankers can change their mind, and I know what is at stake. You know, the only couple I knew that both Kennedy and LBJ wanted to socialize with was you and your husband, and you owned the damn paper. Well, since the way things worked, politicians and the press, they trusted each other so they could go to the same dinner party and drink cocktails and tell jokes while there was a war ben, raging in Vietnam. I don't know what we're talking about. I, I'm not protecting Lyndon. No, you got his former Secretary of Defense, Robert McNamara, the man who commissioned this study. He's I'm one of about a dozen party him. guests out on your patio. I'm not protecting any of them. I'm protecting the paper. What are we going to say about this? We are, <laughs> this is actually going now. We're back from our break, sorry. Um, so, The Post. Silence. A clock ticking in the background. Um, this is a highly, highly critically acclaimed film already. Um, when we were on our way back from London, there were signs everywhere. What did the critics say on those signs? One critic claimed that this is the best film ever made. And you know what? I'm not going to go as far as to say it was the best film ever made, but... But it was good. I was entertained highly throughout the entire film. This is a very long film. It's two hours long, like The Darkest Hour. But there was never a dull moment in this film. Um, What's the film about? I hear most of you asking. Um, If you haven't seen the trailers for the film, the film is about um, a military analyst who is brought in um, to to the Vietnam War to... I think there's multiple analysts that are brought in. Um, they're seven years into the Vietnam War and they want to know, was it worth it? <laughs> is it worth it? Oh, Essentially, that is what they want to know. Um, and they want to get the um, these, these opinions from all these academics. Um, and one academic, Dan, um, is disgusted by um, the US government's deceptions um, of... Um, what they've been doing and his um over the seven years whilst these papers have been been written he has um decided to leak these papers and um this is without a doubt um one of the most pivotal things to happen um in u.s history in terms of the of newspapers and news outlets being able to report the news um and uh Tom Hanks plays an editor um in the film um who works for the Washington Post. Um his name is Ben Bradle. I think I've said that right. Bradley? Is it Bradley? That, that's Bradley, mate. That's Bradley. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> the Post starring Ben Bradle. <laughs> Just misread that completely. Um and he plays the editor. Um, of the newspaper, um, and Meryl Streep, she play he, uh, she, <laughs> she, he, she plays. So we've got <laughs> Ben Bradle as Tom Hanks, Meryl he, Meryl he Streep. <laughs> yeah, she plays um, the owner of the Washington Post. Um, the 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 film 
or in, even in history, um, tells the story of how she acquired the company in a rather sad way. Um, and it's rather emotional how, how she becomes the owner of the Washington Post. Uh, and ultimately, she decides throughout the film whether or not she wants to take the, the newspaper public. Um, and then instantly after this happens, um, these papers are released. And this puts the Washington Post in a really, really tricky place. Um, whether or not to, to, to run... Um, these uh these articles the 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 government have put um injunctions in for the new york times and other papers that are running these papers who have got who have got the leaks they've got the sources um and they just source just source raw source um no ketchup and basically do they or don't they and throughout the film there's this background noise no there is there's there's this this running background noise of emotion that um, Meryl Streep handled really really well and um, there's there's Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep playing off each other and instantly they've never actually worked in the film together this is the first film they've actually oh wow yeah they've actually performed together and they they were phenomenal they were really really good Mm. Um, and, and, and the film itself a Spielberg another Spielberg film and he's done fantastically well to get this film out really really quickly because it's at a pivotal time in our history where we've got Donald Trump in power um who is also playing against the media at the minute he hates the media fake news fake news exactly and what happened in this film was that they were reporting real news and the government didn't want them to talk about it because of Nixon. what yeah, exactly. I said I didn't want to take any questions. On... <laughs> he he's an awful, awful president in the sense that he just didn't want anybody <laughs> to know, to know anything, anything about anything. And, and... <laughs> um, so the the film actually was rushed into production and. Um, they did very well to get it out and, and they've done a really, really, really good job on the film. I was thoroughly entertained throughout the whole the whole film. Um and the acting was supreme, the story was really well done, the pace of it, and there were some really beautiful shots in there as well. Um the the shots where they are actually going to print. Um and they're on the, the printing floor and all the newspapers flying about going up, going into the printing it was really, really, really well done. And and that's what kept the film moving at the pace that it needed to go. It had those mm. those perfect shots. And this is something that I think, going back to The Darkest Hour, it struggled with. It struggled to move its pace along because it didn't have scenes like that. Um, so the cinematography, good. The shots were good. The acting was good. The soundtrack was really, really good. It had everything. And like that critic that said, this is the best film maybe ever to be made i he's close to being right i I know you're looking at me with with why am i claiming that it is a really really good film and i think it's um it's done very well to do what it's done in the length of time that it had to 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 be made and um it is good that's that's really all i can say other than when you ask me the question craig the post is it worth it? Absolutely worth it. It it's going to be enjoyed by a real manner of people. There's people who 
you know might not enjoy this type of film will find themselves going to it if they go to it and actually enjoy it because it's you watch the trailer and you think it's going to be one film and you go and see it and it's actually another it the trailer possibly doesn't really do it justice um but yeah it's it's definitely worth it superb superb so what we're going to we're going to move on to the next film we are uh, which i shall be reviewing i believe so batten down the hatches <laughs> get the storm children out, get out get the children brewing. out of the room um so i'm looking at a film which has a peculiar name it doesn't exactly strike you as something you necessarily want to go and see the film called three billboards outside ebbing missouri i'd do anything to catch the guy who did it mrs hayes but when the dna don't match no one who's ever been arrested and when the dna don't match any other crime nationwide and when there wasn't a single eyewitness from the time she left your house to the time we found her well right now there ain't too much more we can do could pull blood from every man and boy in this town over the age of eight. There's civil rights laws prevents that, Mrs. Hayes. And what if he was just passing through town? Pull blood from every man in the country, then. And what if he was just passing through the country? It was me. I started up a database. Every male baby was born, stick him on it. And as soon as he'd done something wrong, cross-reference it, make 100% certain it was a correct match, then kill him. Yeah, well, there's definitely civil rights laws prevents that. I'm doing everything I can to track him down. I don't think those billboards is very fair. The time it took you to get out here whining like a bitch, Willoughby, some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now, but I'm glad you got your priorities straight. I'll say that for you. Directed by um, Martin McDonough, who also... Uh, directed in Bruges mm. and Seven Psychopaths. Two really good films already. Yes, in Bruges is one of my f- one of my favourite films. Actually, it's a black comedy, but it's it's a really honest film. Um, it will make you laugh. It will make you cry. And this film really is on a similar but better. Um, sort of sort of road it's um it, again it's a black comedy and 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 when you read the synopsis or when you look up or watch the trailer you think why the hell would anyone laugh at this film i mean the what what you're looking at basically is um francis mcdormand's character mildred um she has had her daughter murdered and just she hasn't had her daughter murdered her daughter has been murdered What's the difference? Well, it sounds like she's got her murdered. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. So let, let's just clear that up. Frances McDormand, Mildred, did not murder her own daughter. Good. Just just want to clear that up. Her daughter has, however, been murdered. Um, and we're about seven months down the line. Uh, and she's pretty angry that basically the culprit hasn't been caught. Um and I won't go into the details, but this is a very unpleasant murder. This film touches on some really heavy subjects. Um, and the way it does it and the way it touches on these subjects but also allows you to laugh is mm. is incredible, really. This is a fantastically directed film. Um, I think 
the the best part of this film is that the the storyline is good the script is good but it's just the way the characters develop the three three main characters in the film um played by Frances McDormand um Woody Harrelson and Sam Rockwell um the way these characters develop through the film and the journey you go you go on with them really is quite incredible like i said there's some laugh out loud moments there's some sit back in your chair with a sort of perverse grin moment because you know you shouldn't be laughing but it is funny there's a lot of swearing there's a lot of violence um but underneath all this there's a really interesting story um basically that looks at life and what it means to lose a loved one and how do you respond to the loss of a loved one and we see the response of um the mother we see the response of the uh, the brother we see the response of the father we see the response of the local people we see the response of the law how how do you deal with loss and we see each character dealing with the death of of this person or well, the murder of this person in different ways and it's it's just a very very clever film and halfway through this film i thought this has the potential to be a real home run a real you know top top film um and i don't know if it quite met that potential um the pace of the film is very very interesting because it doesn't build and build and build it goes up and down up and down so you really take on a bit of a journey but it's just the way the characters are developed and the journey these characters go on um you really get to know them uh the soundtrack throughout the film's brilliant um really really good um the way the film is shot the script is great the, and and the acting is fantastic as well and it, it really is hard to to review a film like this um i feel like there's a a, a but coming along here about what i feel like you're about to say there's a but <sighs> There are flaws in this film. Um, I think, I mean, I've got a pretty sick sense of humour, and there are some parts of the film where I think the 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 comedy misfires. And I think there's a couple of scenes where I look back and I think, why the hell did they include that? But there, you you forgive the director because fundamentally, this is a fantastic film. Um, it's it's it it it's very difficult to say too much about it without spoiling it um you know i'd recommend watching the trailer um but this 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 is this is a very good film um that may have been a lot of waffle no not at all i'm gonna ask you the question <laughs> okay <laughs> oh, craig i've told you before i'm not marrying you <laughs> is it worth it yes um Really, this is a a fantastic film. Like I said, there are flaws and there are uncomfortable moments, and there are some moments where the comedy doesn't quite work. And but overall, this 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 is a very very um, well made film, well directed film, superb acting, and it really will pull on your heartstrings. But this, if, if you haven't seen In Bruges or Seven Psychopaths, this is a love hate film. Some people are going to come out of this and say this is one of the worst films I've ever seen. 
I know they will because people say that about in Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. And it is dark as well. If you are easily offended by swearing, um, homophobia, racism, and these, these are issues that are touched on quite a lot throughout the film and in a really brutal but beautiful way. Um, so um, can I say bullshit on this podcast? You just did. Oh, okay. Well, there's no bullshit in this film. Um, I've said it twice now. Shit. Um, and shit. Bullshit, shit, yeah. Okay. Um, no, there's... It, it, you know, it it attacks issues in the heart of um, the deep south of America. Racism, homophobia, um, the what, how the police conduct themselves. And it does it in a pretty special way um again i've waffled on a bit here but this is a film that is definitely worth watching um but i feel that it's it's a film you're going to love or hate um and i've got to say i i loved it i thought it was a very well made film and certainly worth seeing excellent okay uh we're gonna head over to the next review in just a moment uh but we do just want to let you know that we do value your opinions um, and we do want you to write into us, um, preferably via email, no PO boxes or anything like that, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and let us know what you think of um, the reviews that we've done and, and what your opinions are on them as well. Um, and we will read them out on the show as well because um, I think it's a really good thing to, to get an understanding of how other people are interpreting the films as well. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, the email address will be available on the summary of the podcast when it goes out, uh, and you can just copy and paste that into your um, email address or your email client that you use to to send emails. Uh, and please, your... please do get in contact with us, and, yeah, I, and yeah. I feel perhaps some sort of prize for our first emailer. Well, blimey, prizes! I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to give them a prize. Okay, you're in charge of prizes. Then. I am in charge of the prizes, so. If you are the first person to email us, uh, you will be in receipt of a prize. We don't actually have a budget for for prizes, uh, so I'm going to have to say that you're going to have to dig your hands very deep into I your pocket. I will purchase them a prize. It's not going to be a cigarette from your packet of cigarettes. I don't smoke. Oh, fine. Yeah, no. <laughs> and he doesn't smoke. <laughs> um, it's, what is it going to be then? Do you know? Yeah. I am thinking... Okay, so David's going to think of a really great prize to give oh, you. Oh, it will be a superb prize, possibly a signed photograph. <laughs> of yourself? Oh, who else? Of us? Uh, Matt Damon. Of Matt Damon, now that could be a prize, and that's leading us very nicely, very, very nicely but into Damon. our next review. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not um film that you're quoting from there. Do you know what film that is that you're quoting from there? Matt Damon? Yeah. You don't, do you? <laughs> Oh dear! Um, if you can, somebody can write in and let David know what film he just quoted there. Uh, that'd be great. What film is it? I don't know what it is. Uh, remind me. No, because I want somebody to write in and tell you. <laughs> oh, I'll just Google it. Well, you can do that later, or you can wait for somebody to write in. Well, Which could be they... a lifetime away because well, if nobody writes in, nobody's getting the prize. That's true. But if nobody writes in, it's probably because we're not doing a great job with what we're doing. Here. Great job. Great. It's a great job. <laughs> Donald Trump will be featuring. We have an interview with Donald lined up. You can't claim things like that. I just have. Okay, well, Donald, if you're listening... Um, do I don't think touch. he is. <laughs> I don't think Donald's listening. Anyway, we're moving on swiftly into our next film, which is uh, a film that I watched today, uh, and it's entitled Downsizing. 
Please state your full legal names. Audrey Lustig Sophronic. Paul Norris Sophronic. And do you understand that of your own free will, you will undergo the permanent and irreversible medical procedure commonly known as downsizing, and that following the procedure, your bodies will be approximately 0.0364% of their current mass and volume? Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, Paul, I need a yes or no? Yes. Yes. And do you understand that there exists an approximately 1 in 225,000 chance that the procedure could result in injury, permanent disability, or death? Yes. 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 Um, we've seen trailers for this in the other films that we've seen and uh, our comments on that was, um, I don't know, what did you think of the trailers when you first saw it? The trailers for Downsizing? For Downsizing, yeah. I was confused. Yeah, so was I. I went in um, the preconception that this this is going to be a confusing film, possibly. Um, it, it, does it know what it is from the trailer? Um, well, let me give you a little synopsis of what this film is about. Essentially... Matt Damon's character, Paul, um, and his wife, played by Kristen Scott... What's her face? Kristen... No, Kristen Wiig, not Kristen Scott. I'm really bad with names, aren't I? Really terrible bad. with names. Terrible names. Um, she plays a character called Audrey. Um, they're a married couple, and um, there's been a very recent discovery that um, people can be shrunk... Um, like in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, people can be shrunk. I was about to say, what a great film. What a fantastic film. Um, and uh, the and Honey, I Blew Up the Baby. Uh, was that um, a sequel? Um, it, w- it was the same people. Same people, okay. The baby wasn't actually detonated, just just in case you're worried. It was just increased in size. Oh, right, OK. So instead of the baby being shrunk, the baby became huge, like Godzilla. Great. It sounds like a... One to watch, really. I've never seen that one. So. Dig it out, Dig it out yeah. on VHS. <laughs> Betamax, probably. Uh, <laughs> um, so they they both realise that once uh, this technology has been rolled out to the masses, so to speak, um, that that this could be something that could better their life. Because what happens when you get shrunk? Well, your money can go a lot further because, mm. you know, one dollar can be turned into hundreds of dollars that can be spent on... Something like $100,000 is $1.2 million in the... In something the, in ridiculous the, like that. Um, and a it, small world. It allows them to live in a, a, a wealthy and splendour manner, essentially. Um, but they are five inches tall. But they are five inches tall. Just, just out of curiosity, is this something that possibly you might do or... What, shrink myself? Shrink yourself, yeah. Well, um, it depends, doesn't it? Because relativity, it depends. If everybody is five inches tall, then nobody is five inches tall. Exactly. So the film actually touches upon this in in a very political way, actually, because if there's people who are regular size uh, and there are people who are small, they are, are they contributing to... Um, the planet in the same way or to, to 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 social life in the same way? Are they paying the same sort of taxes? Are they um, are they doing the same things, essentially? What would you say the film is, then? Is it is it a dig at modern society? Is it yes. a, is it is it a dig at 
globalization and well, touches, global warming. I mean, yes, it touches. Why are people? Other than obviously to line their own pockets, fundamentally shrinking themselves. They, Pardon me, I just burped. I do apologise. That is terrible. Can we edit that out? I don't think I can. I'm really sorry. And in fact, I probably can, but I'm just going to leave that in for comical relief. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yes, the film does touch upon a lot of different aspects of political and social. Um, uh, commentary in this day and age where um, global warming is coming in um, in an incredibly rapid pace and is this shrinking going to benefit us um, and, and, and the environment and actually yes it does they say um, after living four years um, a group of 36 people the amount of waste that they produce um, is equivalent to half a bin bag um, which is incredible Um and and to the environment, it could be, you know, really, really beneficial. Um, but then you've got people who are not shrinking themselves and are obviously still polluting the world um, and causing devastation. Um, and there is a pivotal part in the film where um, global warming is taking effect a, a bit too much um, uh, to the point where it is very bad. Very, very bad indeed. Um but we'll touch. We'll talk about that a little bit later on because the film starts off um, in telling telling the story more of about Matt Damon's character shrinking himself and going to live in this um, this it's called leisure world. Um, and and he anyone he, who who lives in Hemel Hempstead will now be having memories of leisure world. Yeah, leisure Jones world, Aqua Splash. Um, what a hazardous place that was. Indeed. Um, and and the film progresses along this way of Matt Damon struggling with life being shrunk. Um, and and then it takes a turn into something else. Um, it pulls on the emotional heartstrings in the sense that um, another character in the film, played by Hong, Hong Chow, I think her name is, um, <laughs> <and my name. laughs> next week's podcast we will ensure that craig has researched and memorized and learned the names of these very distinguished hollywood actors yeah including hong chow well she she was fantastic and in comparison to matt damon's performance um she really led the film um she she was very very good indeed and Blimey. yeah i'm just i'm just looking up hong chow can you try and pronounce who she plays uh no Nukok, no, that could be Ngok Lan Tran. Yeah, um, she, she she's a um, Christoph Waltz is in it. One of my favourite actors. Yeah, he he's all right. He's um, he's in the background a bit. Does he speak many languages? Because um, he tends to do that in most of his films. Yes. Yeah. So Craig, we've discussed a little bit about shrinking ourselves and blowing up children. Um, don't, oh. don't ask me the question yet. Oh, you don't want the question yet? No, I still, I still think that I want to carry on the, the review in the sense that I, I think it's a very, very confused film. And I know you're looking at your watch. It's a Fitbit, actually. But... Oh, all right, OK. Um, it, yeah, it's very, very confused. It doesn't know where it's going and the pace is very um, up and down, but so rapid that it doesn't make it enjoyable. And, and it... It, I, I wasn't entertained. There were moments where you were supposed to laugh and you just didn't mm. laugh because you knew they were trying to make you laugh and it just failed completely. Forced, forced. It was very forced. Um, 
And you also said that you didn't feel that um, Matt Damon particularly brought his A game to this film. No, definitely not. Um, he he was very much so the same level the entire way, entirely through the film. Um, there were a few moments where you felt for him, but mainly more because of Hong Chao's character. Um, yeah, uh, if you ask me the question now, I will answer it. Craig, downsizing. Is it worth it? No. Ooh. No, I don't think it's worth going to see in the cinema. I think it's something that you will wait until you go, uh, you know, go and purchase it on DVD. But is it even worth buying on DVD? I'm not so sure. Wait until it goes out on the streaming services and, and give it a go then. Which, obviously, we, we encourage legal streaming. Legal streaming from either Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. Um, Again, if you work for Netflix or Amazon, please do send us free stuff. And we will continually promote how good your services are. Yeah, we both do have those services, and we—I do feel there actually there are films that are going on to Netflix and Amazon that we actually should review as well. Which... I think that's something we're going to do. Yeah, we're going to dis- discuss um, about reviewing stuff on Netflix and Amazon um, because there's no doubt. I mean, the, the purpose of this podcast is really to question: Is it worth going to the cinema? Because there are some films that you just have to see in the cinema, and, um, and downsizing. I don't believe he's one of them. So there you go, folks. Downsizing, um, which features a five-inch Matt Damon, isn't worth it. No. So you've been listening to Is It Worth It with me, Craig Fields. And me, David Long. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for listening. All three of you. All three of you um, to the podcast. Uh, And we encourage you, please, to write in with your opinions um, on the films that you've seen. Um, These could be films that we haven't reviewed because we do like to um, touch upon those as well. Um, and uh, our email address will be available to email us on the summary of the podcast um, so please do go and have a look at that um, and you can obviously subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and all other good podcast um, subscribing platforms um, what have we got in store for next week David? next week we're going to be looking at another four or five films um, I believe I've drawn the short straw and we'll be seeing Insidious The Last Key which I'm hoping is the last key. Like I said, I loved the first Insidious. It seems to have got progressively more and more stupid, mm-hmm. but I will be bringing you a review of Insidious, the last key. We're also planning on seeing Jumanji, uh, starring uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. We're going to see Liam Neeson, Commute, in The Commuter. And there was one more. Yes. Um, hmm, what was it? Early Man, I believe. Yes, Early Man. Uh, that looks like a very entertaining kids' film um, animation. Um, looks very funny, actually. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to seeing that one myself. Um, so that's what we're going to be bringing to you next week. We are hoping, though, to receive an email, and I stand by my promise the first person to email in will receive a prize, which possibly may be a signed photograph of Matt Damon. You can't make bold claims like that. I just have. Well, he has. So I might email myself and just purchase it. Print off a picture and <laughs> sign it yourself. And we're going to forge Matt Damon's signature. 
But um, no, we do look forward to hearing from you about your opinions on the films, about our reviews. Please do review us. Um, well, maybe don't review us. They but... can roast us. I mean, this is the whole point. Yeah, and we will read out your emails as well. Yeah. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Um, take care, and we'll see you next week. We will. Thank you.